Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Dr. Selwyn Howard Show. We've been going on for a few weeks now, and I've been asked by some people that, uh, Dr. Howard, you've been uncovering things about other people. Let us hear a little bit about you. So tonight, we're going to flip the switch. I'm going to have the lovely Dr. Patty Howard do an interview with me on tonight's show. Welcome, Dr. Howard. We have a special treat for listeners today. Very often on programs like this, the interviewer sits behind the scenes and spotlights the guests. We never really know much about them, even when we know their name. Today, we're going to turn the spotlight of this program on the interviewer himself, Dr. Selwyn Howard. People want to know more about you and your trajectory. As much as we sometimes highlight others and hear their stories, we sometimes need to include ourselves in the who is this person? or what can I learn from their path journey of knowing? So today, it is my special honor as the interviewer to interview the host of this radio show and podcast show, Selwyn Howard, MD. For our listening audience, which includes all ages, grade level students, college level students, and seasoned professionals alike, let me ask you what those initials placed after your name mean, MD. Thanks for doing this interview with me. And I'd like to say that MD stands for medical doctor. Medical doctor is what we've always heard it as. I think the first time I heard it was the old show, Marcus Welby. Marcus Welby, MD, who for the younger audience probably don't remember, this is a early 70s, late 60s show where there was a uh, family practice doctor by the name of Marcus Welby. So that was the first time I heard the initials, but medical doctor is MD. Tell me about your climb to becoming a medical doctor and more about what triggered your decision to move forward in that direction. Well, the truth about the matter is my parents pushed me into becoming a medical doctor. At an early age, I was thought to be quite gifted in the classroom. Science, math, English, spelling, all those things came fairly easy to me and probably as a result of being the youngest of five, I had to compete with my siblings for attention in the household. My brother was a big time football player. My sisters were advanced and doing their thing. So as a little kid, I had to find my niche and education was my niche. So my family recognized that, my teachers recognized that, and my mother who was a registered nurse had in the back of her mind that she would have a doctor as a son. When did you make the decision to go forward with that yourself? Well, I think it was a gradual process. By the time I got to the 12th grade, that was the direction I was heading. Uh, I did really well in math and science, and I really didn't care what I went into. I think in the early 80s, the two things that people were really pushing on the, in the science field was either engineering or a pre-medical major with the emphasis of heading to medical school. So my thing was, hey, I think I'll be fine and I'll do the, the medical school route. I understand that you're from a small town in Alabama. Tell me what it was like growing up there and who were your role models? Well, that's funny you would say that. I never really thought of myself as being from a small town. I think I'm from a sub suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. Dustman, Alabama is one of those towns with a very rich history. 
there are so many people that came through the Bessemer, Alabama route of acclaim and non-acclaim, but it was one of those cities that most people have heard of it to a degree, or they know somebody who's from there. So the small town uh, boy that a lot of people thought I was, I didn't really feel that way because my father taught high school in Birmingham, which was about 12, 13 miles away from Bessemer. He also taught junior college at uh, Lawson State Community College, where he taught uh, the sciences, mostly chemistry and physics. So a lot of summers, I would be on the campus at Lawson State in a classroom at nine or 10 years old, taking college level courses. And I also would take swimming. So I always thought of myself as not really a small town kid. You mentioned role models for me. Didn't really have any role models as far as being a medical doctor was concerned. We did have one community doctor who had his office in a house. I never went there, but I always saw his uh, placard saying he was a medical doctor. So that may have been the only personal medical doctor I saw. My mother worked at uh, Lord Nolan Hospital, which is in Fairfield, Alabama. It's now no longer, but I would go and visit uh, for appointments and I would meet doctors there. So role models, my parents were my main role models. Uh, my older siblings were my role models. There's certain gears that it seems that all people who aspire to certain heights go through to achieve a growing level of success. Talk to me about some of those um, gear shifts where you either had to push forward to get around the challenge or maybe shift into a path of opportunity available to you? So I would have to say that uh, college was the first time I probably uh, had to shift gears to a degree. Did really well my freshman year. My sophomore year, since I did really well my freshman year, I had somewhat of an inflated ego and thought I would just crush everything. So I took a... Uh, very uh, compact and uh, power packed semester according to my sophomore year, which included, I was in honors program, so I took honors English, uh, honors history, then also had cell biology uh, analysis, which is calculus, and uh, also chemistry. So a um, couple of courses, I did uh, well in most of them, but uh, Two of the courses, uh, not as well passed, but not with flying colors. So that allowed me to see that everything wasn't going to be a garden of roses. So I had to somewhat pivot at that point to buckle down and really grasp the information and propel myself to move forward because uh, sometimes life is not fair. Sometimes you get uh, teachers who are not as uh, open to learning. It's just a complicated mix there. So uh, I strengthened myself through that. And that was probably the first time I met a little controversy or uh, a little less than stellar, which was my record all the way from uh, second grade on through. I think it's significant to note that you are a Phi Beta Kappa graduate of Morehouse College and that you have completed two uh, medical residency programs. 
As an anesthesiologist, how is it that you selected that specialty to dedicate your life to? Medicine is is a is a fine tuned uh, field. It has so many different uh, outlets. So when I went to medical school, I had a scholarship to medical school, but it didn't cover everything I needed. So I joined the United States Navy. While in the Navy, as an intern, I got a chance to see all the different sub uh, specialties again, including orthopedics, general surgery, pediatrics, obstetrics and gynecology, and a couple of other things, psychiatry as well. But I noticed that uh, these people were pretty miserable uh, going through their lives, the residents, as well as the attendings who were the ones who were well-trained. The people that seemed the happiest to me were the anesthesiologists. They looked a little jovial, looked like they were living a life that uh, was not the stress that I saw in some of these other specialties that I went into. So that was one of the reasons. It was uh, quality of life that I saw, uh, as well as I like, I'm kind of a, uh, to uh, lack of better words, uh, my uh, patience is kind of short. I should, you know, to say I have a short attention span, I don't know if I'm giving myself justice, but I like to get in and get out. That's what anesthesia does. It's not like internal medicine where you may have a patient who's a diabetic. You start treating them, and six months later, they may or may not have improved. I can give you a drug in 20 seconds, and you will be out. I can watch you, monitor you, get you through your surgery. At the end of the day, package you up, move you on to recovery, and I'm on to the next patient. So the, the thrill of that, seeing things just happen right in front of you, pharmacology, physiology, that was very exciting to me as well as uh, you're able to uh, do different things. You do procedures. You're doing uh, what we call invasive lines, invasive monitoring. Uh, it's gotten advanced now that you do ultrasound so you can see all the different nerves and vessels and uh, help out people with pain. So it provides a lot of uh, stimulation from a, an acute point, and that's kind of what I, I like. Well, it sounds like it was a good fit that it has served you well. Are you happy with your selection? I'm happy with my selection. Um, you know, there are days that as an anesthesiologist, sometimes you are the second figure in the room where the main figure is usually a surgeon or a gastroenterologist or pain doctor. So that role sometimes is not as satisfying. You have to definitely uh, be a team player with that. And sometimes people take liberties with them being the, the head guy. But the team approach works well. We're all in it to get that patient through, to make that patient better and provide safety. So I do like the role that I have as an anesthesiologist. Could I have done something else? Probably, but I chose what I chose. After your residencies and um, stint in the U.S. Navy as a lieutenant commander, tell me more about your career trajectory. As far as the Navy is concerned? No, as far as after that, after you did those things, or if you want to include that, but uh, working in a hospital and what you do now, you know, just the path that you follow in your career after being credentialed as an anesthesiologist. Well, the Navy was uh, kind of was my father's idea. Uh, he thought that that would give me a little uh, further uh, 
experience with being around people. I don't know how patriotic he was, but he was in the uh, United States Army himself. So it gave me a chance to to uh, deepen my scope of dealing with all types of people. So in that regard, the Navy was good. Now, in the Navy, I saw, uh, went, traveled, went to Japan, California, Arizona. So I, I saw quite a few different places. And I also saw quite a few different personalities. I saw people who came from rural towns to those that came from the big cities. And all these people, for the most part, especially the Navy, I, I trained a lot of Navy corpsmen. They were uh, young guys who were determined to make themselves better, and they had a lot of enthusiasm. So that was enjoyable, uh, the Navy was. And um, being in the Navy, you saw all these people from different parts of the country. And I think um, not only in the Navy, but my experience at Morehouse College, saw people from all over the country, young people who were heading places. And that was the the beauty of youth. Uh, nobody had a bunch of money, uh, but we were all headed toward a goal, whatever that was. And, you know, exciting times. Youth uh, is an exciting time of life. A lot of things going on uh, and uh, a lot of personalities, a lot of great fun times, uh, top of seriousness. But, you know, you kind of cut your teeth away from your family, your parents for the first time. So uh, all those experiences were good. Uh, Moving to the hospital, uh, you have a lot of different things in your question that I can go down the road to, but uh, the hospital experience was good. Uh, I had uh, some experience in a hospital in Birmingham at University of Alabama, Birmingham. I spent one summer there uh, and I worked in the emergency room as a volunteer. That was my first exposure to working in a hospital. But once I got to Howard as a, a third year medical student, you got exposed to uh, the hospital aspect, which uh, as you know, Washington DC is a, a multicultural area. And also it's a, an area that's uh, uh, very poor in certain areas and uh, middle-class and wealthy in others. So I had a broad experience uh, from gunshot wounds to uh, treating little babies for uh, sexually transmitted diseases to uh, seeing uh, people with uh, all types of issues, hepatitis, HIV. Um, you just saw all types of things you were exposed to, psychiatric issues of big city life. But, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. I really uh, bonded well with the citizens of the District of Columbia. It was a great time. Tell me more about the business that you have now. At your service, anesthesia is a mobile uh, anesthesia unit. Um, something I'm really proud of. I've worked 20 years in a hospital, probably more than that, but I'll just round it off and say 20 years where I was an anesthesiologist, uh, where we tended to do uh, the things that most surgeries that most people are familiar with, appendectomies, hysterectomies, uh, uh, colon uh, resections, uh, gallbladder removals, tonsils, adenoids. So traditional medicine in its place. Uh, in my 50s now, I was looking to uh, change the narrative a little bit. You know, what's my end game? How long do I plan to do this? I'm, to me, too young to call it quits. I'm not ready to retire. So I had to find a, a way that would enhance uh, 
my overall living. Uh, one of my uh, guests earlier talked about the rigors of being on call, and it's very stressful. Uh, as a uh, medical person, you really start taking call around the early 20s in your life, and that goes on. So a good 30 years I've taken call while I've been up a lot of times 24 hours. So that 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 kind of tears your body down, tears your mind and your spirit down too. So I had to look at, you know, what's my end game? Am I going to burn out quickly or am I trying to do this for the long term? So at your service anesthesia, what we do is we travel to different offices and we provide anesthesia in a uh, smaller uh, environment uh, where patients are uh, more comfortable, not as nervous, being in a hospital, some people have fear of hospitals. Grandmother died there or uncle had a stroke there and didn't make it. So it's a setting that gives them a little peace of mind. Also gives that surgeon a one-on-one -on -one ability with an anesthesiologist where I'm there all day with them. So we're providing quality care, whereas in a hospital, I may be, um, have a physician assistant anesthetist or CRNA, certified registered nurse anesthetist, monitoring rooms when I'm covering them. So I may be doing three or four cases at the same time. Here, it's a one-on-one uh, -on -one deal. So it's concierge medicine. Uh, it also takes uh, aspects of my training, where when I was with the Navy and worked with the Marines, we packed up, we moved to different places. So I do the same thing. I have a van, we pack up, and we move from office to office, do the anesthesia, load it back up in the van, and we go on to our next destination. Dr. Howard, if you could suppose for a moment to speak for the body collective as a black physician, and we know that no one person can uh, speak for a body collective, but you are in a unique position as a, a black physician specialist, that if you had a message to give for some of the most important things that you think the public should receive right now, what do you think that message would be or messages would be? Um, good question. And I think that's one of the reasons that this show is evolving. We want to give uh, our audience an insight into medicine, providing them some advice that they probably won't get outside of what we're offering. Maybe there are some other places, too, and I hope there are. But we want to provide content of good information, of information that you can use on a daily basis. That's why you'll notice I have a cardiologist on. I'll have a cancer doctor on. I have a surgeon on. I have a psychiatrist on. We're going to have all types of people, too, just to provide general uh, increase the fund of knowledge that people have. And people should also do their own reading, too. But I want to give you something that I've got where I think it can help you become better. And that's living a, a better life, a cleaner life, uh, more physically whole, uh, eating well, living well, resting well. So we hope to enhance uh, the audience wealth and depth of knowledge, which will hopefully lead to overall better well-being. You have a great treasure in your hands, Dr. Howard. By virtue of your accomplishments, your broad contact network, and your dedication to disseminating information, I thank you for orchestrating this program and sharing of yourself to enhance our community and most especially the African-American community. May you continue to create a broad blueprint. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Well, thank you for having me. And we uh, plan to open this up. It won't just be medicine. Uh, <clears throat> we want to enhance our audience. That's what I do. But I don't mind, you know, stepping out on faith a little bit and, you know, learning to tap dance when I don't know how. So I'll bring some some interesting guests who are not medical lawyers, but they do fit a narrative where we all can learn something from them. So I'm looking forward to this. We're going to have some fun with this. It's not all going to be serious. We're going to tell a couple of jokes and, you know, maybe tell a couple of lies. Uh-oh. But <laughs> as they say, what what's the famous saying? Never let a lie get in the way of a good story. But most of the information, 98, 99% will be totally factual. But we got to mix it up a little bit there, you know. So thank you again for having me. Looking forward to it. All right. And, I, and that's the end of another Dr. Selwyn Howard show. We'd like to thank our moderator here, the lovely Dr. Patty Howard, for interviewing me. And we will be seeing you all real soon. Thank you and good night.